Our next questioner, Mr. David Canther, is a former pastor and founder of Axe World Relief. This organization provides hot meals, emotional care, emergency supplies, and medical assistance to those suffering from disasters. Axe kitchens and medical units also provide inner city relief. Master, my heart was touched as you were sharing about Hurricane Katrina. And as you know, we were there uh, cooking with our kitchens uh, hundreds of thousands of meals when the McDonald's were all closed. And so we took the quantum leap of faith by offering to hundreds of thousands of people vegan meals. Bless you, bless you. It was actually quite a shock when we put up signs on the top of the large tents uh, that we brought in and we could offer different types of food that we listed what they were. The line that was always the longest was for vegetarian and vegan meals. Oh, incredible, incredible. (laughs) The Red Cross was so interested in that that uh, it was a risk. And uh, they uh, contacted uh, me later and said, actually, you're the first organization that we would like to in the future offer to uh, help uh, pay for some of those meals because we can see how the community wants a broader uh, amount of the choice of the kind of food they can eat. Oh, wonderful. Good news. (laughs) Good news. Even in such a desperate situation. There are three questions which I have. What is the role of animals' divine presence on earth? Do their roles and relationships with human beings deeply connect us further? And lastly, are they helping us to reach the golden era? Okay, Mr. David Kant. Uh, First of all, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart because you're vegetarian and you offer vegetarian meal to people. And that, you give me the good news that the longest line are the vegetarian um, food choice. I'm so happy. That means we have chance to save the planet because more and more people want to be vegetarian. Very good sign, Mr. Cantor. You see, even in such a desperate situation where people have nothing anymore, and they just need food to survive, they still adhere to the vegetarian diet. Oh, God be praised. Oh, now I answer your question. You deserve it. <laughs> Only three questions, I could answer you 300. <laughs> nice to hear good news. Nice to see good people. Mr. Cantor, the role of all wondrous animals and their presence on earth is to bring divine love to this planet. The animals are so close to God, we humans can hardly imagine. We hear about plenty of examples like the dogs that rescue disaster victims who otherwise would not have been found without their extraordinary abilities. They can guide the blind and even sense when a person is about to have a seizure and dial the emergency telephone number. And then there are other animals we don't see as often, yet with a heavenly role that is just as vital, like the whales and the seals that populate the vast ocean covering 70% of our earth, who bless us tremendously by their powerful and love-filled presence. 
You know, in Vietnam, people built some small、uh, temple along the coast. Many of them to worship the whales because they want to show gratitude to the whales. Many of the boat people have been rescued by whales from the stormy sea or from a capsized boat. The whales rescue them in number. Since time immemorial, the Vietnamese people always build temples in gratitude to the whales, and these are the true story. Not only they bless us invisibly, they also rescue people at sea. And this is very, very common in Vietnam. You go there, you see many whales temple. You still can talk to the people who still stay alive due to the whales rescue. I mean, the story is alive. It's not like a fairy tale or a legend. It is a living story still, even recently. <laughs> even recently, yes. But sadly, they are still seen by some humans. As seal fur or whale meat, but these two animals are some of the many animals who literally radiate love to balance our planet. As we being deluded more and more into the killing of the animals and destroying the environment, the atmosphere of our planet also being depleted of love and happiness. Therefore, these animals. They were born here in order to balance it, to help us to fill in the void of love that we lost through our、um, inconsiderate、uh, actions. But sadly, we kill them. We kill our benefactor just because we are blind. We are blind spiritually, telepathically, and psychically that we don't see who are friends and who are not. Sadly, the friends we can see, like the whales, the seals, but we don't recognize. But the enemies we don't see, but we listen to. That is the force of evil, the force of the negative in this world. We don't see the force, we don't see that power, we don't see it manifested, personified, but we listen to it daily. So we do many wrong things that we regret, or at the time of death we regret. Because at that time we can see whatever wrong things we do, just like watching cinemas, and we feel very sorry that we have done such things due to not knowing, due to being misled. So these animals, they are really our friends, our benefactor, but many of us kill them. If we can contact some of the Best animal communicator. They will tell you that whales are the greatest love. They house the greatest love of the divine for our planet. Seals also.、Uh, in one of the conference last time, I have told the audience about different quality of love of different animals, and whales and seals are one of the few number one. In、uh, loving power. Now, that's not me who say that. <laughs> It is through meditation, and I have been informed like that. So, if we kill these beings, we really killing ourselves. 
we take out the balance that greatly needed at this time, especially at this time in our die situation. Now, if we let them live, then they will be able to bring back to earth the powerful, unconditional love like that of the mother for her child, and they do their noble mission knowingly. They knowingly do it. Uh, second question, do the roles and relationship of animals with human beings deeply connect us further? Yes, of course, sir, of course, yes. Because the animals are very pure, they are already connected with the higher source of the divine, so we can learn so much from them. The animal does not have to be large. It could be an ant, which is noted scientifically for his intelligence, or a rabbit. Rabbit is also a powerhouse of love, almost next to the whales, for example, or even a chicken. You may be surprised. There was a Finnish painter, you know, who told us that when he was feeling down because his day didn't go well, the chickens in his backyard came and sat in front of him. And just by looking at them, he got a sudden energy boost and feel better. <laughs> yeah, try it yourself. <laughs> I rescue some chickens from the battery farm and then try look at them. Thank you. Now, some people also report uh, remarkable experiences with marine mammals like the dolphins, saying that just contacting them once in a while lifted them out of their depression or nervous breakdown even. And uh, some researchers have even noted a shift in people's brain waves for the better, for more positive, following dolphin encounters. So this has been proven, eh? Mm with lasting changes that include more creativity and even strengthen immune system. Imagine that. Just contact them once a while. So, how is that animals are helping us to reach the golden era? It is through their unconditional benevolent love and merciful nature, Mr. Cantor. I'm sure you know this, or at least you feel it. And their absolute forgiveness, no matter what humanity has done to them. You see, for example, the whale in Vietnam, the big whale that rescued the fishermen in Vietnam, they do know that these are fishermen. They do know that they kill fishes for a living, but they still rescue them at sea when the fishermen are in danger. You see, absolutely unconditional, unjudgmental. This is the love that we humans also house in our heart, but we have suppressed it because the substance that we took into our body doesn't help us to develop more of our divinity, but on the contrary, destroy it, or at least suppress it, damage it. So now we have to reclaim it again. Now, speaking of the quality and the unconditional love, I must say something about honoring this love from the animals for all the generosity of spirit and blessings that they bring into our lives. How do we have the heart to kill them and eat them, enjoy their suffering? You must know this, Mr. Cantor, since you are already vegetarian. I appreciate that. God bless you. <laughs>
Thank you, thank you. <laughs> For anyone who is not yet vegetarian or who has not understood why, please inform yourself of the unimaginable, utterly cruel and utmost inhumane treatment involved in meat and dairy production or fishing even, as well as lab experiments or the animal fur industry. If we really connect with the animals, or if we really don't shut down our innate feeling, we will also feel their suffering, which is caused almost exclusively by humans. So please, I ask you, go and find out what really happens to the animals in those uh, slaughterhouse. I will call it mass murder house. If you do, it's likely that they will no longer end up on your plate. The unimaginable, horrendous treatment of the babies, baby cows even, baby seals, baby chicks, will make you shudder with horror. Even the egg industry has blood on its hands. If you would like more information, there is a, a show on the Supreme Master Television called Stop Animal Cruelty Program on Supreme Master TV at www.suprememastertv.com slash stopanimalcruelty as well as other information concerning humans, animals, and saving our planet, etc. We don't like to think of ourselves as cruel, much less brutal, especially for something like a hamburger or a piece of bacon. But these are the facts. Animals are utterly cruelly mistreated day in and day out to feed the very industry that supplies all the meat consumed by humans. In news just a few days ago, uh, an undercover video sponsored by the Humane Society of the United States recorded the treatment of baby calves, some barely a few days old. As these animals were being led to their murder, many of them are so weak by the bad treatment and the condition they live in that they could not walk or they're too young to walk. They were kicked, beaten repeatedly while laying down and there were dosed with water to increase the pain of electrical shock and even skin alive. Can you imagine that we do these things? It may surprise you to know that this was a certified organic facility. It's not just ordinary animal farm. So now we know that even the animal products you think are somehow more healthy or eco-friendly. This is not the case at all. Please don't eat meat. It's too cruel. In another discovery undercover recording, baby male chicks were being sent by the thousands down a conveyor belt to a giant meat grinder alive. Can you imagine the little chicks like this? So beautiful, so cute. And they do this. We, humans, do this to them. In this factory alone, over 150,000 of the tiny baby chicks ground up, ground up alive every day for dog's meat or whatever meat. 
all because the male chicks cannot lay eggs, so don't make profit for the industry, so they grind them alive. Can you imagine? If anyone do not believe in hell, please go and see these places. Then you will know hell exists right here on our planet. These factories also supply the so-called free-range eggs. Some people think that eggs do not require the loss of life, but they do, very much so. And then there are the horrifying conditions of the pigs, which are extremely clean animals, by the way, scientifically proven. But these intelligent, sensitive beings are locked in crates so small they can't even turn around all their miserable life. But the worst is their actual death process. You see, oh God, I have to tell you, but it's heart-wrenching. First, the pigs are stunned, often unsuccessfully, so leaving them still conscious when they are hung by the feet and cut open with a knife. In fact, they are still alive when they are next put into a vat of boiling water with videos that have shown them still twisting in pain. Imagine if it's us. Imagine if it's our loved ones. Imagine if it is human. All this for a piece of meat, dead flesh that often causes even more diseases to humans. Not like it even helps us in any way. Is it really worth it? Tell me. Please. No. Is it worth it? No. It's not. It's not. You're right. How can we degrade ourselves into such an inhumane, heartless state of being by supporting these cruel, heart-wrenching practices? I ask myself, how can we justify causing that much suffering to another being when the alternative is so easy, affordable, and at hand, and healthy? I hope it is clear that the best and really the only way is to be vegan. This lifts the immense burden of suffering and murdering the innocent from our heart. It can enhance our connection with animals also. The human caregivers uh, at a New Zealand animal sanctuary say that uh, the naturally vegetarian donkeys, the donkeys, they're vegetarian, yes, and there they make friends with <laughs> vegetarian humans' visitors faster than with the meat eaters because they feel safer without the smell of meat. So the animals, they do know. Uh, my dogs, for example, huh? my dogs. I have even a Rottweiler, a Rottweiler. You know Rottweiler's reputation, right? Yeah, okay. Whenever <laughs> I took him to uh, our group meditation places, uh, you can see it on video also. I'm not making story to glorify my dog. His name is Goody. When I adopted him, I said, Goody, your race is a Rottweiler. And I heard that you don't have good reputation <laughs> as, as a race of dog. So I named you Goody, and you're going to be a very good dog so that you can redeem the reputation of the Rottweiler. Wait, it's okay, huh? 
So I name him Goody, and he's very good ever since. Whenever I bring him to our group meditation, you know our group is all vegetarian, eh? All vegan, huh? A meditation and all that supposed to be good. No, no killing, no drinking, no gambling, no uh, adultery, no stealing, no lying. Yeah, he know that. So whenever he go into this group of people, no matter thousands or hundreds, he run around them, licking them all over and asking them to hold his hand or hug him or jump on them, whatever. He does that to a numerous of people, whoever, whoever. Men, women, children and old and young alike. Because he feel good, safe there, I reckon. Now, you don't have to be animal communicator to see this, that he feels good within our group. Now, when I took him out, sometimes in a restaurant, which is a non-vegetarian restaurant, it's difficult to find always in my travel the vegetarian restaurant, but I go in there to eat vegetarian. And I sometimes encourage my people to go in a non-vegetarian restaurant to eat vegetarian food, to remind them to keep cooking more and more vegetarian for more people. Because vegetarian restaurant, they already know. <laughs> so I went often into a non-vegetarian restaurant if I have to go out. Then sometimes I bring my dog, whatever dog I bring. Okay, now we talk about Rottweiler, we talk about that race. Yeah, He's been so good with hundreds of thousands of my uh, uh, association members whenever he's among them. But I bring him out just into a non-vegetarian restaurant. And the owner of the restaurant, because he knew me, he came and talked to me. He just go just like two meters near me only. He jumped right in the middle between me and the owner of the restaurant. The owner is still alive, eh? If you want, I can <laughs> ask him. Uh, he jumped right in the middle and sit up straight and look at him and growl at him already. Growling only, huh? I said, no, no, don't do that. So the Rottweiler was quiet. Then the man thing he could approach me a little further. He just take one more step. And he stood up. The Rottweiler stood up and said, Ah, no more. <laughs> he protects me that much. But among hundreds or thousands of my people, he never does anything to them. He go and licking them all over and, you know, pawing them and hugging them. My God, you have to see it to believe. Well, all my people are still alive. <laughs> you can ask them. The animals do know. I know that from my dogs. Eh? All the dogs are the same. Eh? All the dogs are the same. Now, uh, one of the other dogs, uh, called Hamid, he's an Australian shepherd. He's also very protective. Now, when he goes among our group, you know, or the vegetarian, he also let them, I, he's normally very shy. He only knows family member. But when he goes out, he's very shy. But when he goes to our group, if I tell him, Hamid, never mind, go let people uh, touch you because they love you. And then he go. He go around and let people touch him, and then he come back, sit next to me. Yes, fine. But if I go outside and take this dog with me, even to a bank, he's not growling like that. He's shy. But the, the bank people see him so beautiful, you know, blue eyes and <laughs> a very beautiful dog. So he want to touch, and he, he doesn't want them to touch he he hide behind me immediately. <laughs> Whenever that person approaches, he just runs behind my back and hide. He doesn't want to be aggressive because I told him not to, but he doesn't want to be touched by the meat eater. I'm sorry if I offend anyone. But in my group, he, he let everybody touch him. This is a true story. And now we must know that animals really understand who is who.
So if we know all this, we cannot, we cannot support further the meat industry because there's mass murder. In our society, we only kill someone when he done something wrong. And nowadays, many countries already um, abolished death penalty. And even if a death sentence prisoner, they, they have their own cell and they have clean food, clean water. They're not treated the way we treat our animals, friend. This is really not human at all. Oh, please stop all this. Please tell everybody else to stop all this. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Supreme Master Ching Hai, for reminding us how noble our animal friends are and how they contribute to the loving balance of this world. Our next question comes from Marisol Verela, a freelance journalist with the Examiner newspaper in Orlando, Florida. A vegetarian herself, she's an advocate of the vegetarian lifestyle and has written many articles to encourage people to embrace it. Yes, good evening, Supreme Master. I'm very happy to be here and um, to have been invited to this event and to have the opportunity to go back home and inform everyone who didn't have the same opportunity as me about all the benefits that come from living in this healthy lifestyle. Thank you. With that in mind, I have a question for you. I recently noticed that there is more and more positive and constructive media happening around the world. That's and right. uh, there are websites uh, that provide only the good news uh, and television stations as well. So with that in mind, uh, can you please share with us uh, your thoughts uh, and the role of the media in transforming society? Thank you. Of course, they are powerful, Miss Varela. <laughs> the media has a very important role in our society. Everybody knows that. The printed uh, words are very powerful. People are too busy with their daily activities, so they look to the media for informing and reporting relevant events, important matters, and all necessary information for their lives. So the media is a useful tool to awaken one another at this crucial time, a time when our planet and the lives on it are in danger. That's why I'm so glad to see many television and radio channels starting to broadcast about the urgent situation of our planet and even the solution of vegan diet. Uh, which is the switch, you know, that we have to make? Very small change. Piece of meat out, <laughs> uh, vegetarian protein in. That's it. Just a small change. Everyone can afford and it's cheaper, healthier. <laughs> and Supreme Master Television is there as well to contribute and to inform the people in this endeavor. Just recently, uh, Lord Stern in the UK made a statement that the vegetarian diet is better than a meat diet for causing climate change. And the world media came to discuss the topic more actively, almost uh, on every station. And then... The Australian and American television channels interview former U.S. Vice President 
uh, and the Nobel Prize laureate, Mr. Algo. You know, right? Our hero. You know him. Everyone knows him by now. Yes. They asked him, the journalists, the reporters, asked Mr. Algo to talk about the vegetarian solution as a means to halt global warming, which he recognized as important in curbing global warming. He recognized that. He said that he cut back on animals' diet very sharply, and he said that vegetarian diet definitely is a solution to curb global warming. So the media helps a lot to point people in the direction of the solution. In fact, uh, the most uh, urgent role of the media right now is to become vegan themselves, compassionate, noble, and doing good deeds, and to inform people of this urgent action. They should be an example, the media. Now we also see that the public is responding with enthusiasm to spiritual topics like uh, meditation, yoga, alternative living, vegetarianism. Yeah, They want to know more about science and spirituality. We are, as a race, the whole humanity becoming more spiritually minded and reaching beyond just the limited ephemeral physical realm for something greater, nobler, and higher. I'm so glad we are in this trend. And the media is a huge, huge help in reminding people to go in this upward direction. But still, our evolution has been a bit too slow, eh? don't you think? Yes. It's too slow, eh? Yes. So, I also look for hope in the good media people such as yourself, Miss Beautiful. And if I may humbly urge you to encourage people through your work to become vegan, to save human lives, animals' lives, and the environment. Because the vegan diet, though simple, is the giant stepping stone that would bring us higher in our evolution. Besides, time is running out for our planet. We must act fast to save lives. So the media has a very great, heroic, noble role to save the world at this moment in our history. And while saving lives, the media also can save the loving, noble quality in human hearts as well. Do you see how great and noble the role of the media is? Thank you, Ms. Varela, for being a vegetarian yourself. God bless you and your company. Thank you, Master Qinghai, for the scope of your vision and for your pioneering role in the creation of Supreme Master Television. Some of the benefits of a vegetarian diet lowers blood pressure, lowers cholesterol levels, reduces type 2 diabetes, prevents stroke conditions, Reverses atherosclerosis, reduces heart disease risk 50%, reduces heart surgery risk 80%, prevents many forms of cancer, stronger immune system, increases life expectancy up to 15 years, higher IQ, saves 70% of the total cost of 40 trillion US dollars for reducing global warming, uses 4.5 times less land to grow food, conserves up to 70% clean water. 
saves 80% of the cleared Amazonian rainforest from animal grazing. A solution for world hunger. Free up 3.4 billion hectares of land. Free up 760 million tons of grain every year. Half the world's grain supply consumes one-third fossil fuels of those used for meat production. Reduces pollution from untreated animal waste. Maintains cleaner air. Saves 4.5 tons of emissions per U.S. household per year. Stop 80% of global warming. Plus more. Our next questioner is the owner of Paradise Found LLC, a company that delivers vegan produce to an ever-expanding market in Ohio. Mr. Randall T. Ball has a question he would like to ask Supreme Master Ching Hai. Welcome, Mr. Ball. Hello, Supreme Master. Thank you. Um, Hello. I'm honored to uh, come. A lot of people don't know this. Cincinnati is known as Porkopolis. We got our start um, as the pig capital of uh, the Midwest. So um, my question uh, is really a very important question, I think, one that I've been asking myself for years, and it relates to the political leadership of this country. And to be able to ask you this in Washington, D.C. seems really powerful. So... Um, I wanted to precipice by saying, you know, I'm almost half a century old, but when I was growing up, America was known as the land of the free and, and um, the leader of the free world and a, a beacon of light and to the world. And now we've become the leading um, consumer. So my question is, you know, the American people have demonstrated their compassion and their power since the beginning and overcoming many uh, forces of evil. So right now, how do we, as citizens of America, um, the ones that are literally consuming the planet, encourage and um, support greater nobility in ourselves, in our fellow American citizens, and in our government leaders? Thank you. Mr. Ball, good question, sir. Thank you for... Trusting me with <laughs> such a great responsibility. Uh, I admire the American people very much, sir, you know that, for their faith and open-minded, courageous spirit. And right now, the government's leaders need our faith and encouragement more because we really need their leadership to bring about wide-scale change. We must help provide the government with information about the true cost of the animal diet. Sometimes the government are busy putting priority elsewhere, you know, sir? Yes. Not that they don't like the change, but maybe they are not completely informed. So we have to inform them, write to them, talk to them, do whatever it takes to inform them, yes, the true cost of the animal diet. Not just cost life, it costs billions of U.S. dollars every year just for the meat-related sickness. Uh, not to talk about how it kills our planet. Huh? You can gather and print it, all this information, and send to your political leaders. If you want, you can go to 
suprememastertv.com/sos. We have all the information up to date that we have gathered, and reliable and ready material collected there for you. I myself have also written and sent letters and information to the secular and religious leaders of the world, hoping they have time to read. I don't send a lot of books, just short, condensed information. If you want, you can inquire the condensed one that I sent to the leaders of the world. And if they want to know more, or if you want to know more, or your people want to know more, can always log on to the www.suprememastertv.com slash SOS, that's it. Or just log on to www.suprememastertv.com and ask for any subject you want. They're all free of charge and ready anytime. And should the leaders take some positive steps, then we should write to thank them also and encourage them, not always criticize and don't thank them when <laughs> they do the right thing. We should have positive encouragement. You see, we have to encourage them when they do some right things and so they go further in that direction or even better improved. As for the way that meat industry is destroying the environment, our health and the health and future of our children and the planet eventually. The numbers, the sheer numbers should be more than enough to shock any of us into action. Allow me to report to you a few shocking facts from the United States, your country alone. United States alone. Yeah. One, waste of land. Now, in the U.S., an area more than nine times the size of California, nine times California size, is used either for growing farm animal feed or grazing livestock. It's all about animals, nothing about us. That's about one billion acres or 80% of all agriculture land in the U.S., and about half of all U.S. land being used for meat production. By contrast, less than 3 million acres is used to grow all the vegetables in the country. Imagine that. Number two, waste of water. Half the water in the U.S. is wasted on production of meat, just for comparison. 100,000 liters of water are needed to produce one kilogram of beef, while less than 1% of this amount, or 900 liters only, is required to harvest a kilogram of wheat. Number three, waste of food. 90% of all soy, 80% of all corn, and 70% of all grain grown in the United States are fed to fatten livestock. Well, this could feed at least 800 million hungry people, sir. We have hungry people. We have children die every few seconds because we use too much land, too much water, too much food for livestock instead of on humans. Number four, pollution. Livestock produce 130 times as much waste as the human population in the U.S. 
Can you imagine that? A single pig farm with, uh, say, 500,000 pigs generates more waste yearly than the 1.5 million residents of Manhattan in New York City. In Virginia State, even the poultry farms are producing one and a half times polluting nitrogen more than all the people living in the same area. We are killing us, ourselves. All this waste is unregulated and untreated, you know. There's no law to regulate this and treat these things. So the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency estimates that uh, agriculture, which is mostly for meat production, contributes to nearly three-quarters of the country's water pollution problem. Three-quarters of your country's pollution came from livestock. Now in 1995, one time, one acre pig manure lagoon bust in North Carolina. You know, um, for people who don't know what manure lagoon is, allow myself to explain. It is where they have a dig, a big lake, you know, and then they um, all the manure and the waste, the urine and all that uh, of the pig will go in there. And it looks like a lagoon, so they call it manure lagoon. One time, an acre large, such pig manure lagoon bust in North Carolina and spilling 25 million gallons of this poisonous waste twice the volume of the notorious uh, Exxon uh, Valdez oil spill. We complain about oil spill, but this is even worse. Uh, hundreds of millions of fish in the state's new river were killed instantly due to the uh, nitrates in the waste with further harmful effects once the contamination reached the ocean. This is just one of many incidents, sir. Not only that, we have the enormous dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico, the size of New Jersey, which suffocates all marine life there. And this is overwhelmingly due to the nitrogen runoff from the Midwest, from the animal waste and the fertilizers for the animal feed crops. This waste is toxic. It contains antibiotics, hormones, and pesticides, and 10 to 100 times the concentration of deadly pathogens like E. coli and salmonella compared to human waste. Number five, uh, health and economic cost. Meat causes hundreds of billions, hundreds of billions of U.S. dollars in medical costs alone and economic burdens on families and governments. Not to mention the pain and suffering of the families. Of course, unimaginably great and lifelong. And all the while, we are suffering illness, losing lives, grieving over lost loved ones, family members, losing happiness, losing money due to the animal diet. We are the ones who are paying the industry to continue producing this problem, producing meat, fish, and the like. 
with our hard-earned tax money that used to subsidize them. Ironic, huh? The U.S. government could, of course, redirect the billions of dollars now spent on livestock subsidies to help farmers switch to organic vegetable and fruit agriculture. That will be a great help to your country and the health of the Americans. The government could use this powerful tools to spread campaigns about veg alternatives, bans on meat, and laws to help people switch to organic vegan farming and consumption. A global switch to a veg diet could even save the world governments a lot of money, as much as 80% of all the climate mitigation costs of 40 trillion U.S. dollars by year 2050. That is, we save 32 trillion U.S. dollars in climate mitigation costs and having a healthy vegan population is a good deal, good business deal, in all positive aspects. There is very good reason for the American government to abolish meat, fish, eggs, and dairy, or the animal product altogether. We must stop animal production now and at all costs if we want to keep this planet. I repeat, we must stop animal product right now and at all costs if we want to keep this planet. I have always looked to the American people and their great government leaders at one of the best living examples of democracy and freedom, integrity, of our world. However, I must tell you truthfully that the meat industry is unbefitting to the greatness of your country and of the great American citizen. Don't you agree, sir? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, great people deserve great things. Great people lead great lifestyle. So we have to do away with the ungreat things and we have to begin the great things for the great people, great country like America. I pray, sir, that the ones who are aware uh, and want to save the children will do something about it and fast to stop this horrendous criminal system that is killing us and destroying our planet. And that we must not allow any longer. Thank you and God bless your faith in the divine, in your leaders and yourself. God bless America. Thank you, Supreme Master Ching Hai, for sharing your illuminating wisdom with us. European Parliament supports reducing meat to lower greenhouse gases. Reduce your meat consumption or stop eating meat totally. 
During discussions on greenhouse gas reduction goals, the Climate Committee of the European Parliament officially recognized livestock's contribution to global warming and recommended a reduction of subsidies to the livestock industry to curb methane. The European Parliament has adopted its own position on climate change as an institution and as a Vice President. One of the proposals I have made is in line with your own, which is that we should eat far less meat because that's one of the major sources of greenhouse gases. Tout le monde sait bien, si on veut rendre notre planète soutenable, il va falloir réduire notre consommation de viande, ça on le sait bien. My name is Jan Solm, I'm a member of the European Parliament. Please, be veg, go green to save the planet. Next we have Mr. Tom Venom, a clinical body worker and a vegan. Uh, it's so nice to see you, Supreme Master Ching Hai. This is uh, quite an honor. Uh, I'm quite intrigued by the idea of this uh, humanity's leap to the golden era and the idea of a golden era being here on planet Earth. I have a question about it. Uh, it seems as time has gone on, we've evolved to a system where we've had to work to provide for our basic survival needs. Right. How will this system change as we grow into the new era? Will it be more service-based, where neighbors simply provide for one another out of the kindness of their hearts? Thank you. That would be great. <laughs> that would be great, sir. <laughs> yes, that would be great. That would be our dream world. It might happen still, yes. It's nice to meet you, sir. Mm. You are correct. <laughs> you are correct. Uh, there are systems like that uh, that exist without money based on what I have seen in more highly developed societies in the universe, uh, such as on other planets, yes. You see, uh, our planet is not ready yet for this system. It's not the system, this or that. It's the people, the concept of life, the concept of the, a society have to change first. The people's concept, yes. Once they make a switch to change into a more sociable, more neighborly, you know, more like global family-like, then that kind of exchanging system will automatically uh, come to realization, yes. I have seen in other planets, only the people who are more evolved or the concept has evolved in that direction, more like a, a community, global community direction, more spiritually. Then they would use that exchange system with no money that you mentioned, yes. These planets, they are inhabited uh, by being similar to us, eh? yes. But they're more beautiful. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe because they're more relaxed. Yes. And they are more oh, vegetarian, you know? <laughs> relaxed, happy, and uh, uh, light conscience. Yes. So many of uh, these civilizations are much more advanced than we are, even spiritually, even technology, mainly because they have developed morally and spiritually to a higher level than ours. As a result, they do everything in a more effective and peaceful way. In our world, we have to earn a living because of the need for physical survival. So we even feel bored at work in many cases. 
Many people, they work, but they don't love their job. They're not interested. Uh, because they feel forced to do the job just to earn the money. Yeah? Often, because of that, uh, we are forced into some job that we don't even like or not interested or not even capable to do. So often our precious talents and gift, natural gift, time and freedom are all lost in the office or in the factory or at best put on hold for many, many decades until we retired. And then we're tired to even realize our dream anymore. Or we are too sick for the whole lifelong of service and being poisoned by being misled into eating meat, cigarette or whatever. Yes. So when we're retired, we're really tired. <laughs> so all our talents, ability, energy are lost just for maybe a few dollars an hour. And we are the children of God, eh? And we have talents. Many people who have talent, ability, bury their life into some other mundane, laborious job until they die, unfulfilled. You know that, yes. It's a pity, yeah. Uh, however, in these more developed places in the universe, everyone is secure and has enough, just like your dream world that you have mentioned. They work, but are able to choose which talents and abilities to share and contribute to the society. Because they do that, so they do their best, <laughs> because they do what they love to. They have choices, see? Instead of working for money, they produce for the honor and pleasure of contributing. They bring the fruits of their labor or their talents, like their harvest or their services to a place where they can exchange them with one another for the goods they need. This could be a goal that our world could look forward to. Eh? Uh, these people in those societies, they can enjoy a lot of time for their leisure and developing their hobbies and their talents, etc., etc., and uh, discover their dormant capabilities as well. So, therefore, in such a society, there are many uh, wonderful inventions has been born. And many wonderful things happen because people are relaxing and do what they do best. No one ever worries about lacking physical necessities, so their lives are full of freedom and happiness. Doesn't that sound wonderful, sir? Yes. yes. wonderful to anybody? <laughs> At least we can dream on, huh? Dream on. <laughs> because American people say, you got to have a dream. <laughs> if you don't have a dream, how would you have a dream come true? <laughs> right? So right now we dream that our planet first be saved by a vegan diet. And then we can dream of this dream world in which everyone exercise their talents, and their love for their work and creativity, instead of working hard, uh, back broken just for money. 
Now, wouldn't it be nice to have this kind of free and happy society, eh? Yeah. <laughs> well, if I might add, all such societies are also vegan, I told you. Huh? The concept of life is very clear, very clear, very selfless, unconditional, very intelligent. I have not seen a single civilization so advanced and happy, joyful. That is not a vegan society. According to precedent, nonviolence is, in fact, vegan, a requirement for advancing to the next levels of civilization. Uh, in those societies, they only take what they need, and their needs are so few. Because once we change our concept, we live a freer life. Our soul are less burdened, our hearts are more open, our mind is so happy. We need very little in life to feel contented. Yes. Because we are not burdened by guilt of murdering innocent animals. We are not burdened by obligation to earn a living, to pay tax, to pay electricity, to pay whatever, all the basic necessity that should be free for everyone. Now, in those societies, they don't have this burden, so they're free to develop, and they develop so much. And so they're happy. When you're happy, you don't need much. You really don't need much because you're spiritually also fed, <laughs> emotionally also satisfied. And as you notice yourself, when we are happy emotionally, oh, you know, physically, mentally, we hardly need anything, yeah? Remember, when you fall in love, you hold hand all day, you don't even want to go to eat anything. <laughs> Lay in bed all day talking nonsense together, huh? And you're not hungry. You're happy. You feel you don't need anything. You feel you just need that place, you know, that little room, that's enough. <laughs> now, the taking of another being's precious life, including the life of an animal, no matter how small, certainly never happens in an intelligent and civilized society as I have seen it. Members of such a true civilization would never oppress, torture, or murder the weak, defenseless, and innocent animals that have never done anything wrong to them, but on the contrary, treat all life with utmost respect and protection, like they would their own life. Furthermore, they don't take up their planet's resources needlessly to try to breed and raise animals for the pleasure of their fleeting enjoyment of the palate. They are frugal and sensible. Perhaps we can someday join the ranks of the highly developed planets. Maybe we can even learn from them and exchange goods with them. There is much we could look forward to on our own planet and beyond. But first we have to save it by being vegan. That's the only solution right now. We don't have time for anything else. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> Goodheart, for being with us. And for doing your part. God bless you. We are so grateful for your fascinating vision and elevating wisdom, Supreme Master Ching Hai. Vegetarianism in Religion The Baha'i Faith 
regarding the eating of animal flesh and abstinence therefrom. Know thou of a certainty that, in the beginning of creation, God determined the food of every living being, and to eat contrary to that determination is not approved. Selections from the Baha'i Writings of Some Aspects of Health and Healing Buddhism All meats eaten by living beings are of their own relatives. Lankavatara Sutra Also, after the birth of the baby, care must be exercised not to kill any animal in order to feed the mother with meaty delicacies and not to assemble many relatives to drink liquor or to eat meat. Because, at the difficult time of birth, there are innumerable evil demons, monsters and goblins who want to consume the smelly blood. By ignorantly and adversely resorting to the killing of animals for consumption, they bring down curses upon themselves, which are detrimental to both the mother and the baby. Kasitigarbha Sutra Be careful during the days immediately after someone's death, not killing or destroying, or creating evil karma by worshipping or offering sacrifice to demons and deities. Because such killing and slaughtering committed, or such worship performed, or such sacrifice offered, would not have even an iota of force to benefit the dead, but would entwine even more sinful karma into previous karma, making it even deeper and more serious. Thus, delay his rebirth to a good state. Karma means retribution. Garba Sutra Gaudai The most important thing is to stop killing, because animals also have souls and understand like humans. If we kill and eat them, then we owe them a blood debt. Teachings of the Saints Christianity Meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Holy Bible And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. Holy Bible Confucianism All men have a mind which cannot bear to see the sufferings of others. The superior man, having seen the animals alive, cannot bear to see them die. Having heard their dying cries, he cannot bear to eat their flesh. Mencius Essenes I am come to end the sacrifices and feasts of blood, and if ye cease not offering and eating of flesh and blood, the wrath of God shall not cease from you. Gospel of the Holy Twelve Hinduism Since you cannot bring killed animals back to life, you are responsible for killing them. Therefore, you are going to hell. There is no way for your deliverance. Adelila He who desires to augment his own flesh by eating the flesh of other creatures lives in misery in whatever species he may take his birth. Mahabharata Anu Islam Allah will not give mercy to anyone except those who give mercy to other creatures. Hadith Do not allow your stomachs to become graveyards of animals. Hadith Jainism A true monk should not accept such food and drink as has been specially prepared for him involving the slaughter of living beings. Sutra Katanga Judaism And whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel, or of the strangers that sojourn among you, that eateth any manner of blood, I will even set my face against that soul that eateth blood, and will cut him off from among his people. Holy Bible Blood meaning flesh Sikhism Those mortals who consume marijuana, flesh, and wine, no matter what pilgrimages, fasts, and rituals they follow, they will all go to hell. Guru Granth Sahib Taoism Do not go into the mountain to catch birds and nets, 
nor to the water to poison fishes and minnows. Do not butcher the ox that plows your field. Tract of the Quiet Way. Tibetan Buddhism. The offering to the deities of meat obtained by killing animate beings is like offering a mother the flesh of her own child, and this is a grievous failure, the supreme path of discipleship. Zoroastrianism. Those plants I, Ahura Mazda, or God, rain down upon the earth to bring food to the faithful and fodder to the beneficent cow. Avesta. Everybody knows that vegetarian diet is good for health and to save the planet. They will be awakening their own great, compassionate, loving self-nature, and then their level of consciousness will rise up automatically and they will understand more than they ever did and they'll be closer to heaven than what they are right now. Next, we have a question from Mr. Steve Ma, the founder, president, and GEO of the organization Live Green. And he also is a devoted vegan. The letters GEO stand for Green Executive Officer. Oh, yeah? GEO, not CEO, huh? Wonderful. Hello, Supreme Master. Hello, GEO. <laughs> Good invention. Yeah, that's a new word. One of the things that we do as an organization is encourage people to go to green businesses and support the, the business owners who are doing it right. So first, I'd like to invite you to come to D.C., and we will go out to a, a nice vegan meal together. Wow. <laughs> one of the restaurants. Be my honor. God's willing. Thank you. One of the things we really like to do is point out um, people who are doing it right, people who are succeeding in helping us live a more sustainable way. And thankfully, there are many recent examples of people, um, communities coming together to live a more sustainable uh, way. And for instance, right here in D.C., uh, Ms. Uh, Michelle Obama has created an organic community garden, a vegetable garden. Right. And school children from nearby schools come by to help maintain that garden. Yeah, I heard about that. Um, so I want to know from you specific examples of things that we can do together as communities to really bring about a sustainable planet. Huh. Good question. <laughs> Good question. Yeah. <laughs> Bravo to America's First Lady Michelle Obama. She is my First Lady. Wonderful. That is the true first lady, huh? Hmm. She has taken the lead by example. You know, in our old system of kings and queens, in China and Vietnam, uh, we call the queen mother of the nation. <laughs> so Mrs. Uh, Michelle Obama is worth to be called that. <laughs> She has taken the lead by example. She even said that her family feels more energetic and healthier from eating the organic vegetable, uh, local grown. <laughs> Imagine if every neighborhood in the United States had an organic veggie garden like that. Huh? Now for sharing fresh, healthy vegetables with everyone. 
there are reports about organic vegetable farming that it is quite profitable. And the demand for organic vegan foods now is growing faster and faster around the world. So one thing we can do is encourage more organic vegan farmers market. Farmers markets are more and more popular in the United States now because it's fresh, it's quality, and it's local. So there is less transportation pollution. But interestingly, studies show that eating locally is not as good as eating vegan. <laughs> For example, scientists at Carnegie Mellon University calculated that a vegan diet reduced over seven times the emissions compared to a 100% local meat diet. So, see, eat vegan is better than eat local even, <laughs> local meat. In Spanish, local means crazy. <laughs> <laughs> We don't eat local meat. <laughs> Now, in another study, Food Watch in Germany found that switching from a meat diet to an organic meat diet saved only 8% of emissions. But switching to a non-organic vegan diet, even non-organic vegan diet, reduced 86% of emissions. Ah, so we saved the planet by being vegan, even non-organic. So actually, organic is good. Local is wonderful. But the first step is at least being vegan, organic or not. Organic, of course, is the best. Because when we plant all the tillable acres on our planet organically, then the CO2, the carbon dioxide, which exists already in our atmosphere, will be absorbed 40%. And the other 60% we take care of by being vegan. Then we're happy. Our planet definitely survives. Now, the vegan lifestyle is the greenest lifestyle. Right or not? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Good children of God. <laughs> Because even organic meat is actually not eco-friendly at all. It requires even more land and more energy than the non-organic meat in meat farming. Can you believe that? So it doesn't even help to try to raise animals organically the so-called sustainable free-range organic poultry, for example, need 20% more energy and have a 20% higher, bigger impact on global warming than non-organic poultry farm. Think about that. So we've been misled all the time. This is the terrible things about this negative power in this world. It makes us believe things that is not good for us at all. From now on, we have to try to do research and believe only what's good for us. And we have to research until we really find that this news, this information is truly reliable and believable. By example, by proof. Otherwise, just don't listen to anything <laughs> anybody else say if they don't prove it. Similarly, Organic eggs were found to have 14% higher carbon footprint than non-organic eggs. So there we are. Hmm? And even though you don't use fertilizers, the benefit could be canceled out 
because of the increased land use. Therefore, only the vegan lifestyle is truly sustainable. Now, once we become vegan and urge others to join through grassroots seminars, uh, flyer distribution, letters, email, whatever, we could practice sustainability in other ways. As I have suggested before, we could plant organic vegetables and trees. Better still are those fruit trees and nut trees and those vegetables or legumes like beans and stuff that need little water. That we can do research to know which one needs less water because right now we're short of water as well. We're short of everything right now. So we should be frugal not to waste precious energy and water. Use our own shopping bags even. We encourage sustainable energy development and we can write or talk to the government and the media and the farmers even because we really do need all the help from the government, from the media to accelerate the trend. Another good way to quicken our movement to a sustainable planet is to generate more positive energy. Do good deeds and be loving and kind. Expand our loving quality. This is what will create a shield, invincible, to protect us and the planet. Finally, we can pray that divine power manifests on earth to awaken leaders, the media, the influential people, and all the world citizens to take the right steps to preserve our planet and fast, fast before it's too late. Because at this point, we do need heaven's intervention to save our planet. Not to pray to them to protect us, just to pray so that they awaken everybody to the solution of vegan diet, because that is the solution that will save our planet. If we can do these things, starting with being veg, we would realize not just a sustainable planet, but a real paradise of peace in our lifetime. Thank you, and heaven bless you for being a vegetarian. A handsome vegetarian. <laughs> Thank you, Supreme Master Shinghai, for sharing your most wonderful and insightful answers to these thought-provoking questions. Thank you. Our final question for today comes from Ms. Julie Johnson, a teacher, adult educator, and former coordinator of environment and sustainability programs at an independent boys' school in Canada. Supreme Master Ching Hai, I'd like to say hello from Canada. Uh, my husband and I are visiting from Canada, and there, I know there are lots of Canadians uh, helping out with the conference today. Hello. And we'd like to let you know that you're a climate hero in Canada as well as here in the States. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh, climate hero. I like that. <laughs> I like that. But I would like to save that title for all the people in the world who are doing more than I do and who are trying more than I do in their own way to save lives. By the way, I also thank them from the bottom of my heart, this opportunity. <laughs> thank you, all of you.
for being heroes. Yeah, thank you all of you. <laughs> Supreme Master, there are so many inspiring teachers in, uh, in this world from many walks of life. And these educators treat children as whole beings. And in addition to teaching skills and knowledge, they also instill good values in our children. And I'm wondering, how will noble, loving education help to usher in the golden era? Ah, good, noble education. Yes. Hello, Canada. (laughs) I have been in your beautiful country and the kind people of Canada. Very safe, safe country. Also because your country is peaceful, you know, make no enemies anywhere. When you don't um, provoke people, and then you are at peace. That's a good example, you see. Canada is a good example of, uh, uh, as you saw, so shall you reap, eh? <laughs> your country only help people and being friendly to all nations. Therefore, your country is always at peace and the people are happy, yes. Uh, but it's cold, huh? <laughs> very cold. Even then, people are happy. They're not going anywhere. They stay there. <laughs> so now... I like your expression very much. Noble, loving education. Yes. And it is true that we are indebted to all the inspiring teachers whom we are honored to learn from throughout our lives. Especially the teachers who impart the moral values as you mentioned and a virtuous way of life who help to nurture the citizens of the world to do good deeds selflessly, who treat others with kindness and fairness and take care of the weak and the less fortunate. If we have more such teachers, our world could become a heaven. As the famous American historian Henry Adams said, I quote him, a teacher affects eternity, even eternity. Wow, not just one lifetime, eh? A good teacher. A teacher affects eternity. That's something to think about. The best way, I think, is to start with a spiritual foundation because spiritual practice includes the basic moral and social standards. I think all the schools on our planet should include spiritual and moral standards in our school curriculum because that's what's lacking. Yeah, deeper subject. Not just say, okay, I go to the church or I give a little to charity, which I don't always even mention in the school. Now, the basic moral and social standards we must instill in the children at a young age and provide the inner support they can always lean on throughout their lifetime. A study in Canada, your country, showed that children who have spiritual faith are happier. Furthermore, meditation helps children to become calmer and more focused. For example, in the U.S., some studies were conducted in schools that taught children how to do simple meditation, and they report very good results, such as less anxiety, a better mood, more attention span. Such kids grow up to be the helpers and strong leaders of our societies. 
Now, another important part of uh, a noble education, as you mentioned, is to encourage the children's already God-given love in nature. Actually, all the children, not just the indigo or crystal children, are born very sweet and loving and innocent, and they do have connection with God up to the age of three or four. There was a very touching story, the true story. The mother told the story of her two children talking to each other. One child is a girl, she's four years old, and the other is uh, one years old, laying in the crib still. And the four-years-old girl asked her younger sibling, please, can you tell me what God is like, what God looks like? I begin to forget already. That made me cry so much when I first heard about Please tell me what God is like. I begin to forget already. Four years old. Tell the one year old. And now we come back to earth. <laughs> we have to teach the children to be protective and loving to the innocent lives like the animals, the helpless, the defenseless, the innocent. The blessing actually to our planets are the animals. This gives them a close affinity with animals since a young age. We have to teach them the value of loving kindness to others, especially to the animals. It is up to us to not suppress or deny them their love for the animals. When we feed our children animals' meat, the children, of course, become anxious and restless because it goes against their natural instinct. We put violence into their tender body when we should teach them the best example of loving kindness and compassion. It's not just the physical, but subconsciously, in being given meat, they learn something very conflicting with their own care for the animals and love in their own heart and clashing with everything else they are taught about being loving, being kind, not harming others, not killing others. If we ourselves don't want to be harmed or to be killed, treated uh, badly in the same way. We teach our children to be kind, to be loving, to be nonviolent, but we feed them the very symbol of unkindness, of violence. That is the piece of animal flesh that we force into their tender body, by force sometimes. If you notice, many little babies, when you feed them (laughs) meat, they often spit it out. And then we take it back, forcing them again, again and again, until they get used to it and cannot do without. And then they grow up teaching their children the same way. Isn't that a pity? Very sad affair. But it's not really the parents or the teachers' fault. It's not our fault. Because we ourselves were taught the same, as I have told you. From generation to generation, one leading the next. Because we have no time to do the research on the reality of the harm of animals' diet and the benefit of vegetarian lifestyle. 
See, now we must take time to do it. This is truly a tragic education that have been passing on to us and we have been passing on to our children. We shut off our sensitivity to the suffering of the animals and let ourselves forget that we are degrading ourselves, our true God-like, compassionate and innocent self. We damage our body, our intelligence, and we are killing the planet. Now all it takes is a noble teacher, a parent, a one noble role model to nurture in our children what they were born knowing, that we love and care for all living beings as we would ourselves. That's the only philosophy. And that is the only true noble way of living our lives. If we cannot teach that all life has inherent precious value, then we may wonder what is worth teaching. Jesus said that above all else, we must love one another as ourselves. The Talmud said, the greatest wisdom is kindness. The Buddha taught us to uphold compassion, and the Quran reminded us to show mercy to all creatures. The prophet in the Quran stated that Allah will not give mercy to anyone except the ones who give mercy to other creatures. It's very clear. Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, also told his cousin, Oh Ali, don't eat meat, don't eat that. So, since human history began, we have been reminded by the great and compassionate teachers like Mahavira, Jesus Christ, Moses, Buddha, Prophet Muhammad, Guru Nanak, etc., etc., and many other great teachers who have helped to uplift us already, time and again, to a more civilized way of living with one another. And if we study carefully their message and their own practice even, at the basic core of the civilized life, the thought is the peace-loving vegan diet. That's the beginning of everything else. That's the beginning of moral uh, building block. That's the beginning of spiritual upliftment. That's the beginning of a peaceful society. If we can provide this same most basic spiritual and moral foundation for our children, then we are doing our part in noble, loving education that you mentioned. And it is certain that we will usher in a golden era. Thank you, and all heavens love you for being vegan. And your husband. God bless you. <laughs> thank you. And thank you, Supreme Master Ching Hai, for your answer. And we want to say that you are one of the most inspiring teachers in this world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank God for blessing me with such privilege. I really thank heaven every day that I'm in a position to be able to contribute some humble uh, goodness to the society. And thank you for being good audience. Thank you for your good question.
That completes our formal question and answer session. Supreme Master Qinghai, is there anything else you would like to tell us? A few words of thank and goodbye. You see, I am grateful also for the questioners because their questions are very, very thought-provoking, very enlightened, very concerning, very loving. Uh, their enlightened questions, their sincere attention, support, and love for the planet give me the inspiration to give a good answer. You see, they say, good answer is because of good question, no? <laughs> and most of all, I appreciate all of your willingness to join hands in helping ensure the future for our world. Uh, if we are acting now and together while we still have a, a chance, and we still have some time. We can step into a world of our most splendid dreams and beyond. Thank you for good questions. <laughs> I would like to thank again <laughs> all the inspirational speakers dignitaries and participating quests for uh, your many and valued contributions to the world. I also send my appreciation to the organizers for making this conference possible and successful. I can imagine how much hard work dedication, and loving kindness have been put into this conference in order to make it as beautiful as it is. Yes, And because of that, we have all the beautiful, supportive, lively, good-looking audience. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And I salute the gracious hosting nation, America. As well as the capital of this great nation, Washington, D.C. As the speakers have said today, in so many ways, we must all rise to what is needed by the planet now and to what we know we can be. The time has come for us to change, evolve, grow, and stand tall as the rightful crown of creation, the benevolent rulers and protectors, and heaven's children on earth. I pray that each of us may walk away from this important event much more encouraged, much more knowledgeable, and readier than before to go forth in the direction of righteousness, justice, and love. Together, let us make the unprecedented leap to the golden era, to the time of compassion, harmony, kindness, and true peace that awaits us. I know that we can do this. Yes, we can, right? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. I am positive that we can do it. And I believe the Americans will be standing as one, blazing the trail to our shared, wondrous destination. 
God bless us all. God bless America. God bless our world. Love you. Splendid people. Wonderful people. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm also standing for you. And now let's celebrate with some entertainment. We are delighted to present a trio of musicians from Washington, D.C. The St. Charles Strings was founded in 2004 as an opportunity to promote chamber music through educational outreach programs and concerts. These musicians are renowned for their technique and exciting repertoire. In addition to playing classical chamber music, the St. Charles Strings are also known for their fun and uplifting arrangements of modern rock tunes, a true celebration of youth, inspiration, and endless possibilities. Please welcome the St. Charles Strings playing Sunrise Quartet, Allegro con Spirito. Thank you. 
Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much. Could you please uh, give them some gifts for me? Yeah? My book and a little red envelope. <laughs> yes, Master. And we wanted to thank them for sharing their elevating music with our world audience. Thank you. Which raises the question, what will music be like in the golden era? Our final song is from Noman Jin Oldoff, a singer-songwriter from Mongolia whose voice is a joy to behold. Yeah. This evening she will be singing from a distance. While she performs, we will watch a video that celebrates the dawn of the golden era here on earth. Please give a warm welcome to Noman Jin.
Thank you, Noman Jin, for that stunning performance. And the video was very inspiring. We are looking forward to that happy day. Supreme Master Ching Hai, we have a special presentation for you from Mr. Lee Kin Truk, President of oh, the yeah? Vietnamese American Media and Artists Association, Orange County, California. Wow. Let me fly over in a minute. <laughs> Please give a warm welcome to Mr. Lee Kin Turk. Well, thank you, thank you. Wow. Oh, thank you. <laughs> the inscription reads, on behalf of all the people inhabiting this green world, I would like to thank you, the organizing committee, and the Supreme Master Ching Hai, for all your compassionate work. Lee Kin Truk. Oh, thank you. And Lee Kin Truk is a journalist and president of the Vietnamese American Media and Artists Association, Orange County, California. Come on, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Good evening, the Supreme Master Ching Hai. Good evening. Good evening, everyone. I am a Vietnamese. I am a journalist. The Vietnamese community is Orange County, Southern California. I am very happy and honored to be here and 
I am. Thank you very much, Supreme Master Jinghai. Cảm ơn anh Lý Kiên Trúc nhiều lắm ha. Chúc gia đình mạnh giỏi ha. Many thanks for your thoughtfulness, Mr. Lee Kiên Trúc. Your work as a dedicated journalist is appreciated. Yes. Anh gửi lời thăm mọi ký giả ở bên nhà nhé. Gửi lời chúc lành ha. I say I send my love and regard to all the journalists at home there. And my best wishes and regards. And thanks for the award. Thank you. God bless you. <laughs> In case you didn't know, he he also opened a vegetarian restaurant. Please visit. Supreme Master Ching, hi. We are very grateful for you sharing your time and your wisdom with us this afternoon. Before leaving us, would you like to share a final message? <laughs> wow! I thought everybody should go and have a vegan gourmet dinner. <laughs> Are you hungry? Okay. I just want to say thank you again. God bless you all, and God bless Great America. Thank you so much. Please tell me we can be veg, go green, do good deeds, and save the planet. Say yes. Yes. So be. Yes, you. We will save the planet with your help. Good night. I love you all. God bless you. God bless us. God protect the planet. We wish you all the very best, Supreme Master. I wish you all the best, also, my love. Bye, bye, love. We would like to also thank our two. Talented American Sign Language interpreters, Ms. Bevan McNamara and Ms. Andrea K. Smith. Their diligent work uh, has uh, helped the hearing impaired enjoy this very special conference. And our special thanks to Supreme Master Television for sharing this conference with viewers around the world. Inspired by Supreme Master Ching Hai and with headquarters in Los Angeles, USA, Supreme Master Television broadcasts constructive programs with subtitles in over 40 languages. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes our humanity's leap to the golden era, Washington D.C. Climate Change Conference. Wishing all of you ever greater happiness, health. And a long, joyous future. May heaven be with you always. Bye bye.
What was your impression of today's conference on climate change? It was beautiful. It was inspirational. It was necessary. The urgency was conveyed in just the right tone. I can't really imagine any one person feeling anything but inspired leaving. Je viens d'un pays où il y a des problèmes environnementaux qui se posent sérieusement. Il y a des problèmes de famine qui se posent sérieusement. Alors, en venant dans cette conférence et en découvrant qu'on peut nourrir efficiemment la population avec des produits végétaux qui sont produits dans la communauté, là, je suis vraiment surpris et débordé. Ce qui m'a le plus surpris, c'est l'abondance des informations qui ont été délivrées, notamment par les suprêmes maîtres, vraiment qui a beaucoup sérieusement étudié la question. Et elle a fourni suffisamment des informations pour convaincre les gens à pouvoir abandonner l'alimentation animale. Et je suis vraiment d'avis que nous devrons faire un shift. Donc changer ce mode alimentaire vers un mode plus végétarien, pour moi c'est la meilleure solution qui soit pour l'Afrique. Je crois que c'est une personne qui mérite vraiment une grande attention par la richesse et la profondeur de la matière qu'elle apporte à la communauté, par les messages de, de, de la paix et de l'amour qu'elle amène, mais bien plus que cela, par les styles de vie plus durables euh, qui, qui permet une santé meilleure pour la communauté. Vraiment, son message mérite d'être écouté. very well organized and uh, very efficient. Now the scientific uh, presentations were also superb. In fact, I'm totally converted. And as a result of this conference, I am now vegetarian. Now, the evidence that I saw today, which really, really bowled me over because I've been very much uh, for renewable energy. But when you just stop and think, eat less meat and you do more, than you can do for anything else to solve the problem of global warming. Supreme Master Ching Hai, thank you for bringing about this conference, for what you're doing to try and save the animals of the world, to save the planet, to save the human race. Thank you. You are blessed. And truly, truly, we are in your debt. This is former Senator Mike Gravel. Vive Edge. Go green to save the planet. It was the first time I heard her speak. Um, I felt she's very insightful and um, had just really did a great job of showing the compassion behind what we're trying to do. And while we laid out the science, she highlighted the compassionate piece of why we should really be interested in that and then tied it into science and health and the impact on the environment. So I thought she did an excellent job with that. Be red, go green, save the planet. Conference rocks. I hear the message clearly in regard to the impact of um, animal husbandry, of, of animal farming on the environment, and I believe that most were here already converts to that idea. 
So it certainly was very useful for me to hear that message myself. I'm very impressed with the work that she's doing because um, ultimately it's about the future, and the future is our children, and um, they are at risk, at significant risk. They're at risk by virtue of the diets that are imposed on them, and so I think it's very important that all this kind of information be made available to as many people as possible. Ken, what was your impression of the event today? That's a very positive message that uh, methane is also one of the greenhouse gases that you need to be concerned about. And what was your impression of what um, Supreme Master Ching Ai had to say? She seems like a very beautiful lady and very positive about what the individual can accomplish by, you know, maybe taking a vegetarian burger instead of a meat burger to start off with. I gave up coffee a couple years ago, so maybe I'll start on uh, vegetarian food. Fate brought me here today because I, I think you, I learned some things here that convinced me to change some of the ways I live and hopefully be able to spread some of that word to change some of the ways some other people live that are close to me. Well, I'm certainly going to consider my diet. I can probably cut back the meat. I can probably get rid of the, certainly the red meat. Um, so it's the idea of compassion and a whole different view of, uh, of uh, my impact on the earth and the planet. Listening to the Supreme uh, Master and, and the sense of compassion and love that emanates from her is just wonderful. So it was inspiring. It was like going to church today. So what made the biggest impact on you while you were here then? Actually, it was the presentation by the last speaker, Supreme Master Ching Hai. One of the most godly, a woman full of wisdom, and her ambiance of spirituality very deep and she has a worldview not just from the country that she represents but a worldview in helping the world so do you think you'll make any changes based on the things you heard today any changes in your life yes i'm going to change the way i eat absolutely My name is Lauren Vonderpool. I'm the CEO and founder of Vonderpool Gourmet and Healthy Living Services Incorporated. We're a nonprofit teaching young people and people all around the world how to eat vegetarian and vegan foods and the importance of it and growing your own food as well. So be veg, go green, and save our planet.